Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of the 1871 podcast series two and I'm delighted to say that our special guest is former Reading manager Brian McDermott and of course a Royals legend as we know taking Reading up to the Premier League so um, welcome to the show Brian again how are you? I'm very well thank you thanks for asking me to come on. Uh, And you were on last year and uh, you spoke about um, you know we were talking about the current state of play with Reading back then. Um, you talked about the importance of, of having things like a director of football, um, an effective scouting network. And then lo and behold, I don't know if they were listening, but that happened. And there's been, you know, over the last year that there have been improvements and we'll, we'll come to that later. But what I'd like to um, start with, Brian, is to talk to you about your latest project and, and really the start of that journey of, of how that all came about um so you've been very open about the struggles that that you had with with alcohol and depression and um obviously the reading fans know all about your history with with the club before you became a manager and then you know as i said one of only two managers in the club's history to win promotion to the premier league but e- even back then uh you know really happy time for for the club for the players, everyone involved in the club, the fans, of course, but you were you were battling demons back then, even even in that really successful time for you as a manager and for the club. And and I just wanted to ask you how much um, of that was the impact of, if you like, the the pressure of the job. You know, how much of that was linked to the pressures of the job? Do you think? I'm not sure. I'm not sure it was about the pressures of the job. Um, I think that was me as a character, really. Um, I, I remember when I in you laugh at this, but in 1971, I was 10, 11 years of age, and um, I was at QPR, Queens Park Rangers, and I said to one of the coaches, I said, "I don't, I don't feel great today. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't feel right. Not not at my best. I don't feel good." And he said to me. You've got to be right every day. 
this is how it is in pro football. You've got to be right every day. And he started to lecture me on how I needed to be right every day. And the next time that I opened up and talked about how I felt was in 2015. So if you like look at it from, it was now you look at it and you go, well, that was 1970, 71. And I said what I said as a youngster, as a child, and then didn't speak again until 2015, which is quite, like, absolutely crazy when you think about it. Um, so, so the answer to the question, the pressures of the job, I don't know about that. Um, I, 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 I was able to do my job with all of the stuff going on, um, but never spoke about what I was feeling. And, I, you know, I lived in a population of one in my own head and I was good at sort of um, helping and putting myself, doing what I had to do for, for the football club, for Reading, for the players and, and trying to, to um, it as a manager, trying to look after the, the, the players and the staff, etc. And the one person I forgot was myself. And I didn't do that, you know, and I realised today that how important it is to look after myself before I can look after anyone else. Because, you know, you get to a point when you're doing that, and you're trying to look after everyone and you're trying to look around the staff and the players, et cetera, et cetera. And you just get to a point when you just burn out. And I think I did eventually. You know, I went, I certainly burnt out when I was at Leeds and, and it was just exhausting. It was absolutely exhausting. And, that's kind of why I'm talking now, really. I, I just I wouldn't want that to happen to you. Don't want that to happen to other people. Yeah, and we're recording this episode on on Thursday evening. It, it's out on uh, Monday evening, and, and today is um, I believe Brian. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's it's eight years since basically you you started your recovery with um, what was a cry to. Uh, to your uh, cry for help to your to your wife have I got that right yeah so yeah this is this was um the day before was 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 my last uh, was the last drink and I I actually did open up to my wife I wasn't my wife and I were estranged 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 is that a word um but I was living back at the house after my Leeds experience. And then I went to Arsenal for a period of time, but I, I was living back at the house in the spare room and um, it, it was difficult to say the least. Um, and I just woke up one morning and, and, and I don't know how it is for, for anybody else. I can only talk about how it is for me. I was 53 years of age and I just woke up and thought, I, I can't do this anymore. I, I, I just, I was at that point where I just thought, I was anxious, depressed, just didn't feel good about life. Um, had no gratitude for anything or anybody. Living in a very self-centered world, I felt in my own head. And uh, I, I just came downstairs and reached out to my wife and I said, can you help me? And, and she made a phone call that changed my life. And, and tell us a bit about that, Brian. And I know Johnny and Dylan both want to ask you questions, but... You know that that was the start of that chapter in in your life, if you like. You know, and then what happened after that? She made a phone call. Um, I got a phone call from somebody else, and they left a message on my answer phone. And the longer the day went on, I remember that day. The more I thought, I can't do this. I, I cannot do this. 
um one I didn't want to stop drinking and I just thought god this is what I've got this is my social life this is everything and you know this gives me pleasure but it it hadn't been giving me pleasure for a long time it had stopped working for a long time you know I I used to take alcohol to to numb the pain of defeat for example or or whatever it was and um but to be honest the problem was in the end for me uh, a win a draw or a defeat was the same because if you drink after win, lose or draw, you know, you feel the same. You feel that numbness and it's just a numbness. And and actually alcohol numbs joy, it numbs happiness, it, it numbs sadness, it numbs, numbs pain. So it, it numbs everything and you kind of like numb constantly. I think I've used the word numb about five times there. But that's that's the word. Um, so look, uh, someone rang me. I eventually rang the guy back. And I met him and I went to a meeting. I went, it's a 12-step program meeting. And I've been going to those meetings for the last eight years. Um, and I've learned how to live my life. And I've got a bit of peace. And that's all I ever wanted, really. Towards the end of my my time, all I wanted was good night's sleep. You know, it wasn't walking out. It wasn't about winning at Anfield. It wasn't walking out at Wembley. It wasn't about, I tried all of these things, which I thought was a fixer. You know, and a big thing for me was to try and be a Premier League manager to fix how I felt about myself, not not feeling good enough. And, you know, that sort of imposter syndrome, you know, even when I took over at Reading, I always thought, oh, I'm not sure the fans want me. And, you know, they want someone else and they want a bigger name. And it was constantly going round and round. And it was it was so hard. It was really hard, especially because you're not speaking to anyone about it. And you... um before I come to to Johnny and and Dylan with their questions, um, j- just summarise, you know, wh- where that journey has brought you to now, Brian, with, with how you're trying to help other people with with the the presentations that that you're doing. Talk talk a little bit about, you know, how that works, what it is, and you know, and and and, and what what actually that looks like. I tell you how it looks today. I mean, I, I've got my wife back, and we're like 37, 38 years together now. And uh, you know, I met her when I was like nineteen, and and I'm, I'm blessed that she's took me back. I've got my two daughters. I've got a granddaughter um, who are amazing people. My two daughters are amazing. I'm very grateful. You know, I, I, I didn't lose everything, and I've seen people that have lost absolutely everything. I didn't. Um, I decided last year actually to start to come out and talk about this. Um, one of the reasons I did was I saw Scott Davis do a presentation at QPR and he did an amazing presentation and he was one of my players and he was talking about gambling he, and he's in the public domain and, he, and we, he has been quoted openly so I can talk about it. And he blew me away and I thought, wow, this is incredible. And I told him I had a story and, and he sort of encouraged me. And then I spoke to Paul Stewart and Paul Stewart obviously played for England and um, uh, Spurs, etc. Played in the cup final, and and, uh, and I told him of a little bit of my story, and he said, "You need to talk about it. You need to bring it out into the public domain." And I started to do that. I practiced a couple of things, and uh, yeah, I, I kind of felt free, if that makes sense. I felt free of the sort of, you know, there's a kind of stigma about it. And I felt free. I felt free because I was able to talk about it, and um, and that's why I do now. And if someone needs a hand, if someone, if I can help someone, I'll try and help them. 
Um, and, and I do a pre- I mean, oh, I, did yeah. a, I did a presentation in Reading, sorry, Dylan, uh, and Glenn Denning, the, no. the guy from a blue collar corner, I, he said, oh, we'll do a presentation. And I thought, there's no way we'll be able to sell this, these tickets for this. And we sold three nights and it was blown away. And the people were so lovely. It was just a three really, really fabulous nights, really. Sorry, Dylan. No, just going to say, Brian, I mean, um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm honoured. I'm, I'm absolutely privileged that, you know, uh, I'm able to talk to you now and, and, and especially from last year. We speak quite often on WhatsApp now and, you know, on LinkedIn. And, you know, it's you, you don't you don't know that people are going through the, these stages. And I remember, you know, I blew my, no, my first year's pro at Sheffield Wednesday because, I became a party animal at 17 years old. I was going to concerts for the Human League and I was 17 and ABC and I was, I was, you know, I was, I was a, I was a footballer without playing a game, you know, and, and, and I, it didn't, it didn't get as bad for me then as an 18 year old. But now when I was not working for the past four months, I was living in a place called Durban, in Umslanger in Durban, which is kind of like a holiday resort. Uh, on the Indian Ocean, and you know the the temptation to keep myself busy, to keep myself motivated, was go to the pub and sit with all the ex football guys that played, you know, back in the eighties when I was here in South Africa, and a lot of expats, you know, are all, are all in the sixties, seventies, talking and watching football, and you know, he, I could have got sucked into that, you know, um, and. I actually didn't because I, I tried to keep away as much as I did. But I can imagine what you say, you don't think about yourself. You think about other people. You're thinking about everybody else by yourself. You know, and, you know I'm still the life and soul of, you know, the the, 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 the weekend party scene as, as, as we're on a Saturday afternoon watching the football, Sunday afternoon watching the football. And you... you you, you 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 took something in me there when you said you don't you don't feel about you don't think about yourself you think about everybody else and, and you, you don't look down at yourself and, and and think where you could do better and where you, where you're going wrong with that. So it was interesting that you said that. Yeah, no, I, 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 you know, it's not selfish to look after yourself. It's actually a self. No. It's like a it's like a selfless thing to do. Because if you haven't, if you don't look after yourself, and I do on a daily basis, I, I have the morning. I've got a, like a morning routine that I do now religiously, um, and the reason I do it is I want to get myself in the best possible headspace that I can get myself into, and then if I need to, and then I can go and do my work and do what I need to do, and uh, that's really really important to me now. And I and I'm religious, I'm disciplined in in what I am, you know, because without any discipline, I get no peace. Um, and I'm, every morning is the same. You know, I do my meditation. I, I do what I need to do. And I might ring somebody else who might be struggling. I might be, um, you know, I have people that I, I look after as well within the program that I'm involved in and I can speak to them. Uh, but the, the clear message from, from my, from my, from myself to me is if I'm on, if I'm in a situation where I'm going through a bit of a dark spell is to pick the phone up. Um, yeah, I, I could never think my way out of a problem, um, and that's for me really sort of important to 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 know that I, I if the more that I think about my problem, the more that I give my problem the energy that it wants. 
Mm. Well, that's well. That's, I mean, I to, to keep to keep myself, you know, out of that kind of I don't know if you can call it a zone. I used to walk sixteen kilometers every day, and I used to walk down the beach, which was amazing. You know, um, it was 32, 33, 34 degrees, fantastic. And then I walked back through town. You know, and uh, I make, I'd make sure that you know I got my headphones on and I was listening to music to keep to keep myself you know motivated to to not get dragged into the the daily of going and just going to the George. You know, yeah. my, uh, I, I'm, I'm actually advertising my hat today. You know, it, 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 it was a place where I could easily have just got trapped into where a lot of people are mm. um, in in South Africa. So mentally, I say you. you you, you have to keep yourself busy. Um, I got robbed at gunpoint uh, on Boxing Day in a in a very posh area of uh, Durban, which was was terrifying, you know. And had I had I not had my wits about me, I'd, you know, maybe I'd have been, you know, a bit brave and said, "Yeah, you know, you're not taking my phone, you're not going to steal off me." But you know, when he when he pulled his gun at me to give me a phone. I'm like, I'm not going to be brave here. I'm just kidding. You know, so uh, you've got to keep yourself motivated. You've got to keep yourself, you know, your sanity right. You know, especially for, you know, as we've been in this job, I still can't believe you're not back in football, Brian. I really don't know how, you know, and, and, and it beggars belief when you see coaches getting fired, you know, who have failed four, five, six times and they still keep getting hired. And, and, and here I'm sat with you, one of the most successful managers um, for Reading Football Club, especially Reading Football Club, that, you know, has got so much to offer, but, you know, and it, and, and you can't, you, I don't know how or, or why, no clubs, you know, taking taking that person into a football club that's going to be beneficial to the team. Yeah, it's funny, actually, because it, for me, it's, it's not about getting back in football up. The work that I'm doing now gives me so much purpose. I I, I love what I'm doing. You know, I, I mentor managers and coaches. I, I do a little bit of scouting and put one or two young, young players into different pro clubs, which gives me so much joy. And I can do a presentation and stand up in front of people and tell my truth. And it, yeah. it gives me unbelievable purpose. So I don't really look at it and say about, you know, I wouldn't take a job in football unless um, it, was, it was. It had to be absolutely nailed on for me as far as, yeah, this is how it's going to work. I remember in 2009 and when I got the job at Reading, everything was in place. You know, we had an owner that was great. We had a couple of on the board. We had Nick Hammond, director of football. We had a scouting department. We had a, we had a good team. We had a good bunch of lads. We had we didn't have a lot of money, but we knew that, and we knew we had to deal with what the restraints were, and that was how we were at Reading, and it was lovely. It was just and and it was a joy. Um, so 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 moving to where I am today, I I, I kind of like think to myself, do you know what? I feel very grateful to be able to go out and reinvent myself. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Johnny, Johnny, I know you you wanted to. Ask uh, Brian a couple of questions because you you can relate to this, can't you? Because you you've you've helped people with similar um, types of uh, of situations, haven't you? Yeah, and, I, and I've spoken to Brian a lot as well. You know, he's, he's, he's he does himself a disservice because he's so humble that 
the fact that all the Reading fans, you know, go into the blue collar, it's because we relate to you, Brian, as a as a fan, as a human being, because you're very humble. You're very as you are. And I think that's what, you know, you were as a manager, as a person. And, you know, <clears throat> without getting too emotional, it, it means a lot to us. You are what you are. You know, you don't, <laughs> you don't, you know, Jose Mourinho throwing things around, you're just you. And, and, and you telling your story, which, you know, for, for men like us that don't talk, you know, that's the whole problem, isn't it? We go around in circles. And, you know, for you as a, a figurehead of Reading to, to come out and tell your story, it relates, I'm sure, to so many people that are going through their own struggles as well. Um, that you know, we're all different worlds, and, and I'm sure you know we wear a mask, as you did as a footballer, as I've done as a nurse. You put the cover on, I'll be fine. Don't worry about me. You go and help others, and that's maybe that's something that's got to change, isn't it? And what like, if you know if somebody's listening to this now and is struggling? What would you what would you say to them? Well, it, it's hard because it's, everyone's individual. Everyone's, it's really difficult to sort of answer a general, you know, question. It, it Generally, reach out and pick the phone up and talk to someone hmm. and try to pick the right person, you know. You know, I, I talk to people now, five or six people that I can pick the phone up to, you know, on, on a dark day. And I don't have a lot of dark days anymore, thank God. Yeah. Um, and I think what I was a little bit worried about when I first started talking about this is I didn't want to become across as indulgent. And I thought, oh, I, I, and it's not an indulgent story. It's actually a story of like, well, there's a way to find a bit of peace. There's a way to find something in your life where you start to realize. I think the most important thing for me is I know who I am today. Yeah. And that's the key. And that's a journey you have in life. And you go, you know, I want to find out who I actually am. That's really, really important to me. And I, and I think I've done that. And I think I'm doing that on a daily basis. Um, and that's vitally important, I, I think. Um, and, and the little things in life, you know, I wake up in the morning. I never wake up. And I said it today in a post that I did. I never wake up and think, I wish I got drunk last night. You know, I wake up with a... Well, and sometimes I have drinking dreams, you know, and sometimes I have this real big drinking dream and I wake up and I go, oh, no, I've done it. I've messed up. I have completely messed up. And I sat and I lie there and my wife's there next to me and I'm thinking, oh, it's a dream. And the relief is just yeah. tangible, you know, for about 30 seconds. I got like the relief of not of knowing that I haven't done what the dream has suggested I've done it's crazy but I still get them you know and I'm eight years sober I still get these moments when I'm when I when I have these dreams um which is which is strange really as well Brian sorry when you like as you get older you find like you know older and wiser is a classic thing but don't you think like you know for the next generations this is what we should be doing isn't it for the for the 18 20 telling the stories that you do, I do, Dylan does, Mark does, anyone does, it helps the next generation give an understanding of, of what it's like. So there's so someone, there, a role model or someone <laughs> that they can talk to to help them through this journey of whatever it is. Yeah. It's a horrible journey, isn't it, sometimes? Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's really challenging. And um, I, I thought life was all about resentments. I thought life was all about the not good stuff. 
And I realised there's a lot of good stuff and there's a load of good people. And I think that's important to, to say that. I'm surrounded by great people now. Um, and I've always been fortunate with the people I've had around me. I've been lucky. Maybe I didn't see it enough. But I appreciate them now so much for what they are um, and who they are. Um, but the message is so is so important. Lived experience for me is really, really important. To see someone standing up there talking, and it doesn't matter who it is, talking about their lived experience and actually coming through a time of adversity is so important. The, the thing is, if I was still going out and I was still drinking and I was in a really bad place, I haven't got a story. My story is not what you want to hear. My story is the only good, the, the good bit about my story is the last eight years. And that's the key, you know, finding a bit of recovery. How did you do it? You know, going to my meetings that I do, doing my meditation, you know, do, I do a gratitude list on a daily basis. I do a journal and I write my day and what it looks like. I plan my day. You know, all little things, they're not particularly complicated. And it's not stuff that you haven't heard before. It's everything. But I hadn't heard it eight years ago. Yeah. And, and as as you know, Brian, I, I was contacted recently by a Reading fan, Dale Bradley. Um, so he heard you were a guest and, and he actually contacted me. And I've been in touch with him before. And he said, look, I, I saw your post that, that Brian's going to be a guest. Um, and he asked me to ask for your advice on his behalf. And you've kind of already answered his his question. But I'll talk about Dale and, and his situation and, and what happened with his with his dad as well, because that's relevant. So um, so Dale, he's a Reading fan. He's in his late 30s and he, he contacted me and he said, look, the reason why I, I want to kind of you know, get Brian's take on this is that since the age of about 17, um, you know, he's had a struggle with with alcohol and drugs, mostly cannabis. Uh, and his dad, uh, Sean Bradley, MBE, um, was his father. He actually passed away after his own struggle with alcohol. Uh, and Dale, as you know, he, he says that when you took Reading up to the Premier League, um, he was in treatment for his addictions at that time. And he says that, you gave him so much hope and strength at that time, you know, from what you did uh, and and how you were and who you were as a person. And, and he wanted you to know that. But it's really interesting for you talking about this is now, you know, a really great time in, in your life. And actually, you've kind of reinvented yourself as a, as a person because... Um, actually, Dale said that he's relapsed. Um, and his question was he, he wanted to, to know what your advice would be to him and to anyone else in his situation now. And I think you've answered that question. And I, um, I, I you know, from, from my own personal experience, if, if ever I've had down days and I've spoken to someone, it's just having someone there who kind of understands whether it's my mum or whether it's, you know, a friend. And I think just, just offloading, it's, that's part of it. And just speaking to someone and sharing them. And then you get that evidence that it's not quite as bad as you thought it was, and it helps you get it into context. So, so I think um, you know Dale said, "What would be your advice to somebody like him who's still struggling?" I know you've you've been in touch with him, and it and it meant a lot to him. Um, so that's his question, which I think you've answered. But if if you want to sort of give any any other advice to to anyone who's in that situation, Dale and anyone else. And and also does 
does the fact that that Dale reached out to you, um, you know, and and he's he said to me and he said to you, he's really grateful that um, you've spoken to him, and you know that that's that's the start of some help for him. Is that kind of what your is that sort of like your purpose now? Do you think? Oh, look, if, if if someone reaches out to me, I want to help them. Uh, and that's important. I can't fix anybody. I can't give people advice. I can only talk about me. I can talk about my journey and what it, how it was for me. I can't tell anybody, this is what you need to do. You know, you, I can say, this is what I did. I did this, this and this. And I've not had a drink for eight years. And all of a sudden, come... What came with me not drinking was a lot of stuff. Like, you know, I started to know what unconditional love looked like. I started to get a bit of peace in my life. I started to sleep at night. Um, There's lots of different things that I didn't expect that came my way. You know, I started to live a life that was a bit different to what I lived before. So, um, yeah, the most important thing I, I th- that I did was to reach out and start and start the process. Because, you know, you you, you can't. You can't get in. You can't get better without starting, without doing something. And I think the key is to do something. And um, um, generally, it's to reach out and have a conversation. I mean, I spoke to Dale a couple of times. He's a he's a lovely fella, um, you know. And and we had a we had a conversation, and, and I told him what I did and what it was for me and how how it was. And and then Dale's gonna. We'll do what he's going to do, and, and I wish him. I, 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 I know that if he does what he has to do, he's going to have a lovely life in front of him. He's thirty odd years of age, you know, and and there's such a there's such a lot of joy in the life in life, and you know, I, I couldn't see that for a long, long, long period of time in my life. And, and Dylan, are you have you sort of had any? experience in in terms of any any players that you've played with or you've managed that you know have have come to you and sort of been dealing with any struggles or any issues that the sort of thing that Brian's been talking about have you had any experience of that yourself in in Africa it's different because it's all about you know why they're not playing and you know the the the, where where they're going to be in in the next year, you know, so the biggest regret is not calling speed up and, and asking how he were, you know, all all those years ago. You know, you, you 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 never expected it, you know, to happen in a million years. You know, where he were in his football career, you just never you never saw that, and obviously, um, that's that's one of the biggest regrets ever. You know, not not being able to, you know, say call him and say oh, you're right, speed up. What, what 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 are you up to? You know. And, it's you're dealing with different things in 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 an African continent of football because it's 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 all about you know what they can earn and and, and how much they're going to earn in the in the career in the short career here. So I've I've had three people that have have had problems and unfortunately they've passed away. Two very very close friends. Uh, again, you, you you don't see it. You don't see anything. You don't see any signs. You know, and then you get, and then you get the phone call, and you know, you think, well, could I have done this, and could I have done that, and you know, everybody's got a demon inside them, and I, my my demon is my football. And, you know, unlike Brian, I, I, Brian, I would, I've, I've often thinking, 
you know, especially the last four months, where am I going to go from here? Where Where's the next journey? Where's the next pathway for me uh, in football? Because I can't seem to get a job in the UK. Um, you know, my options are were Rwanda, uh, possibly going back to Vietnam, and I and I, I actually thought. I actually thought to myself, and I actually spoke to my, my mother was my soundboard, but she, would, she she's no longer here with us anymore. So I could never speak to her, and I, and I don't speak to I never spoke to anybody. I kept it to myself, and I found that how I dealt with that was, you know, walking and and listening to music and and being happy, and and then obviously this job came out of the blue. Didn't expect it, didn't want it. You know, the, um, the chairman called me and, you know, I'm back where, where 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 I want to be. And for four months, I didn't know if I wanted to be there. So I, I felt a bit uh, trying to find myself um, to a point where did I want to be in this football world uh, again? So it's been interesting to listen to Brian. You know that that you know he's found himself, and and I, and I like that, and I'm, and I'm so happy you have done, Wayne. I'm so happy you're in a nice place now, doing what you're doing and doing it well as well. So, this is what these podcasts are about, you know, uh, talking to people, and you know, we're not talking about football, we're talking about other things, and 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 football fans, whether you're a Royals fan or whether you're, you know, um, a Swindon fan, dare I say, it, you know, they'll they'll be appreciating this. And Brian, can I ask you, um, moving forward for sort of this year, what what are the plans to sort of carry on? You know what you, what you're doing. Yeah, I'm busy actually. Um, I've got quite a lot of stuff going on in um, what is it now? February, March. Um, a lot of talks, um, and obviously I do my other stuff, my mentoring stuff as well. Um, I'm going somewhere tomorrow to talk to someone else about something else. I know that sounds a bit weird, but uh, I'm away for a couple of days. That's why I had to move the podcast. Um, yeah, and I've got loads going on. It's uh, it's never it's never dull. There's plenty going on, and and I'm trying to um, actually I'm trying to write some new material as well. You know, like I want to I want to do some stuff which reaches out to 15, 16, 17 year olds as well, and I think that's important. Um, and talk about how it can be because you know it's amazing what an influence a, a person a teacher a coach or what can have a, can have on a 15 and 16 year old person and I remember when I was 15 and 16 I remember when I was 11 and 12 I remember I mean I'm, I'm an old man now but I remember it I remember those times and I thought wow and I look back at that now and, I, and you know you think to yourself well if you can just say something that could make a little bit of a difference then and that can change i know one or two people in my world my old p pe teacher at my old school was amazing he was the only one who believed in me and i and to this day i see him and i think wow if it wasn't for him i would be in big trouble because no one else did he did So, Brian, look, we really appreciate uh, you, you talking about that. And I know, um, Johnny, you, you've got a couple of questions for Brian about the the current red inside and, you know, the changes at, at the club and what's going on there since since the last time we had Brian on as a guest. So over to you, Johnny. Yeah, Brian, I mean, you know, you've been a fan, manager, 
what do you make of where we are at now compared to when we last talked last year? And, and, and hopefully after this embargo, where do you think we're going off the pitch, on the pitch? Well, I like what's gone on um, as far as the organisations concerned. You know, we spoke about this, I think, a year ago, talking about, you know, you needed someone who was in charge, so to speak, of just the decisions that needed needed doing. And Mark's come in and Mark's director of football. And then we needed someone to talk about finding some players. And then Brian Carey comes in, who I know really, really well. Great guy. And you know, I spoke to Brian a lot in the summer. And we, you know, just talked about whatever you do, just get good people in your dressing room. And, and they, they're good people. The players are good. They're good people. Um, you know, and and that's that's really, really important. I know Paul. I know Paul well from my days at Leeds. He was manager at Blackpool. He's a good fella. Um, and I think, you know, the job this this season, the job this season is to make sure that Reading stay in the championship. That's the job. And, and there was a little time there where, you know, we edging up and edging up. We won the game the other night, which was great. Um, you never know where you can get to. And I, I saw one of the players talking about playoffs the other day and I'm like, don't need to talk about the playoffs. Just talk about the next game. And it's, I don't know, who's the next game? I normally know who the next game is. It's tomorrow night game. It's, uh, no, no, not sorry. No, Cardiff. 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 No, yeah. not Cardiff. It's, um... Cardiff? Sure. Friday night? I think it I'm is. not sure. I've lost track of the game. Well, so this is going out on Monday, but it's Thursday today. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so, so look, you know, the bottom line is it, it, that, that that never changes as far as I'm concerned. You know, you, you can't look at a run of games. Just look at the next one, try and win it and see where you end up at the end of the season. And, and that will never change as far as I'm concerned. And get the processes right. And, um, and then go from there. Because the problem you've got, the football can drive you insane, literally. You know, if you are defined by your result on a daily, on a weekly basis, it will drive you insane. Now, I was at an LMA event today and I spoke about that. I talked about process, get your processes right, and you're going to have an outcome. The outcome is going to be win, lose or draw. And if you constantly get a result, and I, I know this from my own experience because the winning was always, was never as good as the losing was bad for me. It was horrific, the losing. I just really struggled to, you know, I spoke to Steve yesterday, Steve Koppel yesterday, and we had a good chat. And, you know, and 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 just trying to find balance as a manager is key, absolutely key, and trying not to listen to the noise. You're never the best manager in the world. You're never the worst manager in the world. It's just trying to find that bit in the middle somehow and trying to How have... How do you keep it out, Brian, when you're, when you're managing and, you know, and you're getting, you know, the, the, the hype when you're winning and you're doing well to the... The, the negative criticism. How do you, I know you said about the imposter part, but as a manager, how do you deal with that? Because it's one week you can win one on a Saturday, lose on a Tuesday, lose on five games in a row. How do you, how do you juggle all that as a manager, let alone as a person? Well, personally, I was quite tough, believe it or not. I don't look it, but I was quite tough. Now, I don't say that as a compliment to myself. Because being tough without balance is quite miserable. So I could bounce back. The best managers are resilient and balanced. Resilient and balanced. They can bounce. So resilience is bouncing back with a balance to actually move on from the last game and address it in the next game. I I was pretty good at at, at being tough, but I was like... (sighs) 
There was no joy in winning in the end. It was just relief, you know. Yeah. And I heard this with a lot of managers. And Dylan, I don't know what your view is, but you 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 get about twenty seconds of absolutely adrenaline. The whistle goes, one nil win. Make, that's it. And then you move on. And then you know you've got to go to Nottingham Forest on the Tuesday or to wherever you've got to go. And you try and get another result. So it's just it's a it's a relief thing, really, more than anything. And I'm and I never found that I never found the, the the magic answer to that question. I think most managers feel exactly the same way as I did. I, maybe I'm wrong. What What do you think? What do you make- no, no I, I, the emotional side of football, you know, it, it drives you crazy. Here, um, you know, it's. It, <laughs> I would love to. I would love the opportunity one day, whether I get it or not. I, I doubt it, but I'm never going to stop believing in that it could happen. But you know, the emotions of winning, losing, and drawing—you know—it's it's it's something that you can't explain. You know, um, I've learned I've learned since my swallows episode uh, when I left in October. Um, I've I've changed my perception quite a lot of. How I react now to 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 losing, um, which used to drive me mad because you know it, it wasn't the team selection, it wasn't the tactics, it wasn't the structure, it wasn't the values that I was trying to bring into the squad. It was other people, and 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 it, and it was off the field people, not on the field people, that affected the the, the result. And you know it, it would it would end up with me literally not sleeping because I was trying to fix something that was unfixable because it was nothing to do with me. It was to do with money. It was to do with the club structure and, and wages. Uh, basically, players not getting paid. And, and, and as professionals, you know, you expect to be paid. In Africa, they have to support so many people in their families that if they're not getting that money, then the family's struggling. And that's something I had to deal with. Um, but Emotionally, when you win that game, there's no better feeling in the world, you know. Especially when you win against teams that you're not supposed to win, you know. And, and, and obviously, the same when you lose games that you shouldn't be losing, you know. It's uh, it's <laughs> it's a different feeling, and you know, Brian's had more. For, for I mean, I would love to get, I would love to be in charge of running football club and promoting to the Premier League. That would be, you know, I, I cannot imagine how Brian felt that day. I, I know how I felt when we won the champions championship in 1995. Um, oh no, sorry, 1993. I know how I felt. So um, you, you, you get a buzz from it, but there's also the other side of it that when that buzz is finished, you come back to reality and you have to start again. So I hope, I hope that makes sense, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. And Johnny, uh, have you got one final question uh, for for Brian before we sign off? Yeah, Brian. Like I know they've mentioned at the club that the lack of the scouting network again is you know they're they're slowly putting things in place. You know, like we said, you know, recruitment wise. How how do they rebuild that? You know, I think it's not about watching videos. I saw a quote. It's about actually being out there and and you know finding players back in Ireland, which we talked about before. How how would you see that Reading put that part of the jigsaw back? Well, I think they're doing it slowly. Brian's in charge of that scouting, the head of recruitment, Brian Carey. He's brought somebody in from Sheffield United I spoke to him about recently. They've got another guy that I was with the other day. Um, so slowly, slowly. 
you know, it, it, it's better than what it was. Um, I think it, I think Paul was talking about making sure we've got scouts at games, making sure, you know, you still have to go out and, you know, you've got your video analysis guys, but you need, and you need your data, and that's great, but you also need people on the ground. Um, and one of the reasons you need people on the ground is because when you get there, there's lots of scouts on the on the on the ground that you go to, and scouts talk. And I used to listen because scouts like to talk about players, and they like to look, talk about who the best ones are. So the best advice for a scout is make sure you listen, find out who the best ones are, because you don't know who they all are. But sometimes just being amongst it, just to be there, even if there's not a player who's playing on that particular day, you might find out from someone um, who the best player is somewhere else. Um, and I think that's really, really just little things like that that can make a difference. Is it too much hard work almost now, Brian, with technology that, oh, if we watched a video of a player doing something, is that, is that an easy option rather than going you know, to <laughs> Ireland, go and see Kevin Doyle play? And do those kind of journeys, maybe watch them four times, five times. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's... Well, it's cheaper. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that comes in. I think COVID has made a difference because COVID has changed the way that a lot of operations work, a lot of organisations work. You know, a lot of stuff's done on Zoom. You know, no one would have thought about <laughs> doing this three years ago and whatever, yeah. whatever it looks like, Zoom, but it's normal now. So um, I still think there's a massive place for scouting on the ground. And for a number of reasons. And I also think scouts need to have contacts. You know, if you've been around the game a long time and you've got a lot of contacts, that that holds a lot of sway. It's not just about going to a game, putting a report in and doing a report. It's about finding players. Scouting is about finding players. Every time I went to a game, I wanted to find a player. I want to find a player. And I wanted to come back to Steve and say, Steve, I've got you on. And I've done that a few times, you know, and said, look, and I was absolutely certain in my own mind before I delivered that player to Steve, I was so certain that it was the right player. I wanted to be absolute. There was no grey areas. I was so sure. And he knew I was sure. And that gave him the confidence to do whatever he had to do and sign a player. Oh, is that just a gut, gut instinct, Brian, you? As a, as a football person, you go it's, watch a player and go, yeah, that's a, a part yeah, of the team. Yeah, it's a gut instinct, but also doing your work, doing your homework, finding out about the player as well. And I know enough people to know who knows that player you know who he's playing for maybe the manager or maybe the coach or maybe a relative or whatever you know and then when they come in I used to take some of them I used to love you know we had certain players coming I mean, my wife and I went took Andre BK's wife to um uh I think it was Waitrose or something in in Reading about nine o'clock at night she didn't know where it was so I said so would you I said to my would you we'll go shopping and I didn't particularly want to go shopping, but it wasn't about that. It was about, let's go shopping with this lady to to help her acclimatise. That was a joy for me. You know, picking yeah. up the boys from the airport was a joy. You know, I I, I, lo- I mean, I love doing that sort of thing. Um, that was really, really important. And I didn't have to be told to do that. I just wanted to, to be amongst that because I knew. That happened to me in Sweden in 1986. Someone really looked after me when I was playing yeah. And I'll never forget it. This guy really looked after him. I thought, one day I'll be able to do that for someone. It means a lot, doesn't it, for someone that, you know, you, you feel part of something then, don't you? You're not just a player, you're a part of a family or a community. 
Well, it's like everything else. If you go to a reception in an organisation, the first person that you see at the reception is the lady who greets you at the reception desk. And if she's not very good or not very happy or very grumpy, then you get an impression of the organisation. Mm. So, you know, I went to a company in, in Dublin two, three weeks ago, this company called ESB Electrical Company, and this lady, oh, well, me, she was so lovely. Yeah. And I thought, wow. And I said it to her in a presentation. I said, you make sure you come into this presentation. She just greeted me and it was just so, she was so nice and so calm and so kind. And that was the impression that she, she was the first impression I got of that company. I thought, fair play. Well, that's all we've got time for tonight. So thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Johnny. And a huge thank you to Brian McDermott. And our next episode is available to listen to from 9pm on Thursday evening when our special guest will be former Manchester United and Reading defender Chris Casper, who is currently Director of Football at Salford City. And Chris will be talking about his time at Manchester United and Reading, the injury he sustained during his time at Reading that ended his playing career and his current role at Salford City. And we'll be taking a look ahead to Reading's game against Blackpool on Saturday. So that's available to listen to anytime from 9pm on Thursday evening. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.